You think I'm selfish. You think everything's about me. Me, me, me. Always have. But you know what? Self-love for gay people can be an act of survival. You think it made me unserious while you toiled away in the non-profit world or raised money for any number of causes. But when the whole world is designed to point out that you're different, it can be a way to endure. We're doing fine. I'm doing fine. Welcome to We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, book club edition. He's Robbie. And she is Lisa. And this month we read The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. Yes. I have so many thoughts. Oh, so many feelings. So many th- bursting out of my brain. Ah! <laughs> I mean, Robbie got to see a couple of them because I was like speed reading the last few. Not because it wasn't a good book, but because I've just had a very busy month. Yeah, Lisa did a me and left it all to the last moment. Well, to be fair, I read the first half like a week, <laughs> a week and a half ago, but... My copy of the book didn't just, arrive until the 14th of June. <laughs> I know. I think I started reading it right around the same time as you. Yeah. Second half. I was reading another book in the first half of the month. <gasps> it's yeah, always but, like a, good a rush. Book, so. It's a rush whenever I try to like read two books in the month and i'm like i'm a slow reader (laughs) well for those of you that um are joining us for this book club episode the gunkle is about patrick Mm o'hara who suddenly becomes in charge of his niece and nephew while his um brother goes to rehab yes um so his brother was married to his best friend from university or college if you're in america mm-hmm. um and sarah sarah however you want to pronounce it um she she dies of cancer and so when patrick goes over to see his brother his brother says I have a pill addiction, I need to kick it so that I can be there to look after my children because they don't have their mum anymore. So can you look after the kids while I go into rehab for 90 days? And Patrick's like, hell fucking that. Um, (laughs) But then he ends up convincing himself to do it. And the book is about how he helps the kids deal with their grief and how they help him with his grief. And at that point, we're going to stop because spoilers. Yes. Well, I mean, we're going to discuss all those things, but... Well, yeah, but that was the that was the cut off. So if you haven't read it yet, do it now. Pause this podcast. Go if and you read haven't read it yet, my best way of describing it is anti mame meets Bojack Horseman. And if either of those things make sense to you, you should go check it out. Neither of them make sense to me, but I still enjoyed the book. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really, Robbie. What's anti mame? Anti mame. Okay, so it's like from the nineteen fifties or something, which is such a Patrick reference. They reference it in the book. I know. That's why I was like, why does Lisa keep saying this? Does she know this? What is Yes, this? I do. I've seen the mu. It's a music, not a musical. It's a play and a movie. I've seen the play. I saw the play with my mom when I was like 12 because I don't know. Ooh. My mom was like, this girl is into arts. Let's go send her to go see this for her birthday. That was my birthday <laughs> gift. A 1950s <Aww>. play. <laughs> Cute. And you loved it, yes? I did. It's about this like very extravagant bohemian aunt who ends up taking um, her nephew in and oh. exposes, oh, well, yes. yeah, exposes <laughs> him to her bohemian lifestyle in New York. Opposite <gasps> coast, same very, very much the same like situation. But like Bojack yeah. Horseman, because it delves into very like depressing themes and like the themes of self-exploration and things like that. 
while also the main character being a former TV star. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. But we do have some wonderful listener questions. Oh, exciting. In that case, we will crack on. There's going to be lots of spoilers from here on out, so this is your last chance. So. Yes. Yes. All right. First of all, oh. before we get into listener questions, I want to ask Lisa um, what your what your favorite part of it was. Oh, goodness. Oh, I mean, I was honestly cracking up during their flight over. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like such a solid book that there were so many really good bits. Or like the fact that he names the dog Maureen. Yeah. Wait, okay. Maureen? When Cassie came, isn't it Maureen? Marlene. Marlene, sorry. Okay, no, yes. I thought it had different names named... in like the US version. No, no. I was confused. Right, okay, okay. Like, the fact that he named the dog, my, I think it's when Cassie came and he's like, that's it, we're getting rid of the dog. And she just looks heartbroken. And he's like, don't worry, we don't have a dog. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I just, I love how quippy he is. Yeah. He's very funny. I I strive to speak like Patrick. Right. It would be the dream. Yeah. It would be goals. It sounds a little bit exhausting, though, like constantly having to over-explain yourself. You're like, why don't you just get me? To be fair, I kind of feel like that with my family sometimes. So (laughs) I relate a bit too much to this 40-year-old gay man. (laughs) I definitely saw my future in Patrick, which is depressing as fuck. But it ends well. Don't worry. First, you need to have a boyfriend. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that was a low blow there from Lisa. I'm sorry. Completely unnecessary. Wow. It's true. It's true. Yeah. See, that's not your fate, Robbie. You're going to have like some extravagant love story. I don't that's what I see so. for you. I don't see it. No, you just have to get out of the pandemic first. This is true. The pandemic of that was really, really blocking yeah all right on to listener questions now that i've just ruined robbie's day yes <laughs> moving swiftly on all right this first question comes from alex did you ever doubt emery's motives for his relationship with patrick no i did oh really i was like this is gonna be the big dramatic thing there's gonna be a thing there's gonna be a scandal with the fact that he's a he's playing a teenager and patrick's like in his 40s and like i thought it this was going to be like the whole like he's unsuitable he's hooking up with a with a teenage tv actor like i didn't even think about that i was worried for him i was just like yes patrick get on it it's your time (laughs) like i know he isn't a teenager but he plays one on tv which is already like i don't know hollywood's different but i feel like that could have been a scandal Oh, for sure, probably could have, but I just loved, I loved when Cassie was like, you're gay. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. Oh yeah, speaking of which, what was your favourite part of the book? You asked me, I didn't return it, how rude. Um, I can't remember exactly what bit it is, but there's like a bit where they're having like a real horrible conversation. He's like, um, oh was it that, was it that bit? Yeah, so it was like, um, was it that bit? There's a bit basically when they're having the cake on their mum's mm. birthday and Patrick's making these absolutely beautiful wishes yes. for the two of them. And then Grant just goes, now can we have cake? Yeah. And I was like, Grant gets me. Basically, that was like when I was tearing up. I was just like, oh, oh this I is I was full so on sobbing in the cafe as I read that bit and then burst out laughing. And I was like, I look like a madman. <laughs> um, but a- any part 
of the book and there's a few of them that had like just a totally heart-wrenching like sincere beautiful scene and mm. then grant just asks the weirdest randomest question that is only slightly related to whatever's going on because <laughs> that's when i started to laugh and it was just great grant was so funny yes grant is hilarious and, and his little lift the lift so cute <laughs> That was my, I, yeah, several favourite bits. My entire favourite bit was the book. The whole book. <laughs> the entire book was my favourite bit. I love it. All right, so we shall go back to questions about the book then. Yes, apologies. No, A Quick no. detour. Always detours. So this question comes from Callum. Thank you, Callum. Clara, 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 because it rhymes Clara. with Sarah. Oh, I mean, I would have pronounced that Clara. Yeah, but they said specifically in the book, you replaced me and you replaced me with her and our names even rhyme. Oh, then it must be Sarah. Uh, no, Sarah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, because that's it's Clara, like Clara Anfo. Or Clara. That's because not a it's name. American. Clara. Yeah. That's not a real name. That's a thing. All right. <laughs> no, it's not. Clara. Is it actually? Yeah. Clara. Clara is an actual thing. Yes. I thought you were making it up. No. Oh my god, that's wild. I can't deal with America right now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think you guys just hear your accent and then go, Well, that's a name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. I'm being obtuse. She's, he's just being like, It's Clara, not Clara. Clara? It's Leviosa. Not Leviosa. Uh, so, Laura is obviously hurting, but in her hurt, she lashes out at Patrick without seeming to think about Greg. Does Rally manage to make her actions forgivable or make her sympathetic in your eyes by the resolution. Does what, sorry? Does her, what? Does the author manage to make her sympathetic or forgivable? Oh, so I think we're going to disagree purely because you sent me a message with your feelings about Clara. <laughs> I personally, I personally feel To be fair, it's in the midst so, of it. Right, okay. I personally do feel so sorry for Clara, and I hope that her and Patrick get closer. Mm-hmm. Because I think they're both hurting so much and they just don't see each other's pain in the cloud of their own pain. So, I agree that she's sympathetic. I don't think her actions were forgivable. I mean, I think they were because she cancelled it. Like, she didn't go ahead with it. She cancelled it, but she took those steps. Like, that's so much. Like... Yeah, but it's America. Like, it's... it's, You guys have your lawyers on speed dial. Do you know what I mean? Like... (laughs) In in my case, I live with mine. Um, <laughs> but no, like I think that I think that was an unforgivable action. Like thinking also- without thinking even about Greg of that to put Patrick in that situation and the kids in that situation. That's such undue stress on everyone involved. But because she but was feeling like- petty. But she wasn't feeling petty. She was being divorced. She was losing the children that she had raised. But then that doesn't the make it next closest, No, 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 it doesn't make it excusable. But the next closest kids that she has are her niece and nephew. She goes to visit them mm-hmm. and finds them in the middle of like a 1am party with the A-list celebrities from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to get where she was maybe like shocked by that and surprised. I can like, see how she was shocked and surprised. But she also made herself like entered unannounced completely. Like she didn't need to do all of things and like also just she doesn't she doesn't let anyone she doesn't listen to anyone else as a character like at the end she starts to yeah but also in clara's defense patrick himself for the last 
four years has been so... Reclusive. Reclusive, unreliable, destructive. He actively refused to look after the kids to begin with. He only really took the kids because Clara said that was a good idea that he didn't. Yeah. Like, she actually said, he suggested Clara took the kids. And when Clara agreed and said, yeah, that's probably for the best, he went, the fuck? No, I can take the kids. Like, so I wouldn't be so, like, it kind of makes sense. I think we have to consider the shit that Clara's probably put up with from Patrick for the last four or five years because he he has he has said that he's been not a, not a bad person but he's been a person that probably would not have been in charge of kids mm-hmm. and I don't think he should have been put in charge of kids but Sarah Sarah had a plan and she knew that and even Greg said like we knew you would fuck it up that was the whole point of it was so you would learn like so it doesn't surprise me that clara that was not in on this how they're like kids are resilient it's fine to traumatize them a yeah, little exactly yeah so it's like I, I get why clara maybe saw that and went no this is a terrible idea like what like and she wasn't even privy to the plan of like sarah's got a plan we're gonna make patrick into a normal into a um re- responsible child um rearing human and so she just goes and sees this chaos and is like no no, I, no. I'm still on the fence about it. I'm still on the fence. I feel Fair. like taking uh, the legal action rather than f- figuring out like a sterner way to talk to talk to uh, Patrick was quite a step. Yeah. I just love how he found her in the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Like, can we talk about the sibling relationships between these characters? And the way that they talk so circular. Like, they never actually talk about their own ish, like, their issues with each other. They're just, like, mm. they'll they'll start talking, and then they'll just, like, it was so frustrating. It was so mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. It was exhausting at times. Yeah. It's just, like, just talk to each other like normal human beings. Just do <laughs> it. Like, I get it. There's history. Everyone who has siblings understands how frustrating they can be, but just, like, just... Three whole sentences in a row about the same topic, please. <laughs> but who knows, maybe, you know, in another ten years we'll feel different and just be like, no, avoid your siblings at all costs. <laughs> that won't work, we're in a group chat with yours. God damn it. <laughs> That's okay, I'm, a, I'm infamous for twins. leaving group chats. Oh my god, this is your future. It Callum's gonna future. turn straight, marry someone, marry... Oh no, that wouldn't work, he'd have to marry me. <laughs> Take away your best friend. Wait, were Greg and Patrick tw- were Greg and Patrick twins? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> At least that's what now I now it's took even creepier it. that Sarah chose him. I'm pretty sure they're twins. Maybe that was me putting you in <laughs> Patrick's place. <laughs> maybe no, I don't I'm remember mentioning sure. them, but pretty maybe sure. they were. Anyway. I trust you. <laughs> on to the next question. <laughs> Moving swiftly yes. on. All right. Um, this question comes from. Chris, how do you feel about a TV series based off Patrick and his nibblings? Is it cute or is it cross? I like it. But then I like the book, so I I, I would like a film of that. <laughs> a TV That's show true. of that. Like personally I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. I like And I think yeah. it's like even the even the fact that they were pitching a story where he was allowed to play a gay character is like Yeah, that was really fun. Like that, that that's fun, still like, but, a, like great representation yeah, like, and like the fact that exactly. it's real. Well, yeah, that would you. be a big deal to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think? Oh, I, I mean, I have mixed thoughts about it. Just like, I mean, just like Patrick did during the thing. He's like, "Is this okay that you know we're using my lived experience with 
my niece and nephew to build off this TV show. And I feel like as they grow up, Maisie and Grant are going to have feelings about it. But I think at first those feelings are going to be, why didn't they just have us play the kids on the TV show? Yeah, we could have made so much money. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't think they necessarily want money, but fame. This is true. Yeah, they want their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I love how it was YouTube and not TikTok. Well, I mean, I think they're a little bit too young for TikTok still. My niece is on TikTok. Oh, God. But they were yeah. they were a little bit younger than your niece. A little bit younger, but I just mean, like, yeah, I don't really see me. the difference between YouTube and TikTok. Like, you're still recording yourself and putting it online. I guess that's fair. But TikTok's so curated that I'm like, there's no children on TikTok. <laughs> you just don't see the kids on TikTok. I just don't because see my niece anyone and nephew under the children. age of 25 on my TikTok. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any men without abs and facial hair, so, like, that works for me. <laughs> like, yeah. all of mine are just, like, DIY like grungy people like i love it how boring is your tiktok <laughs> oh it's so good i just like to see the like handsome men diving into I pools you- <laughs> your tiktok sounds boring my tiktok sounds hot as fuck <laughs> <laughs> all right moving forward this question comes from alex what are your thoughts on patrick's letter to joe i cried so yeah much. Oh god, it was heartbreaking. But I could definitely see how writing a letter like that would be helpful. Yeah, especially when he wasn't allowed closure. Like, I oh got my so god. angry at his family. That added so many levels to yeah. Patrick's grief. I was like, holy shit. I could not even imagine. No, wild. Like having I got to have so someone. Angry. Yeah, like having to have, you know, a nurse be able to sneak you in to say goodbye when you were in the accident with them. Like, yeah. holy shit. Anger. It just made me so angry. Right, this also leads into Callum's next question. Thank you, Callum. Patrick says the most important part of queer lives is the excavation of your true self from your public public friendly identity. Do you think this ideology holds up in real life? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a per- there's a heteronormative persona that I created in high school and college and uni mm-hmm. and even at work. And trying to work out who your authentic self is outside of that persona is really fucking difficult because you wear it more often than you actually um, look inward to your authentic self. Like, even at work, like, the 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 anxiety of having to tell new people that you meet that you're, mm. that you're LGBT is, like, crippling sometimes, you know? Yeah, like... So it's, like, it's just so much easier to keep up that heteronormative persona which just makes it even more difficult to try and excavate your authentic yeah. self. And it's like, ugh. And it's nah. an ongoing process in work. Like, yeah. It's a lot of like self-reflection. Every- yeah. Like, you could, like, for me, I had a store that I was quite comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And every- everyone knew who I was. Everyone knew that I was gay. And then I'll go for a cover shift at a different store. And it's that, like, and like, I, no one would have a problem with it. But it's that anxiety of, do they know? Do they not know? Do I need how to tell them? How would they react? Is it relevant? Yeah. How would they react? That's why I'm just like, keep it to myself. It's cool. Which is which is totally fair and a total valid thing to do. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I love objectifying men too much. <laughs> it gets noticed, you know? See, I get to... Like, that is slightly easier as a woman because you get to gas up whoever the fuck you want. You're just like, fuck, yeah, girl, you look amazing. And it could just be a girl being like, you look so good today. Yeah. And then there's me that's like, he's so fucking hot. But I get to do that too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> but it, but it, 
there's also that whole like what is the true thing like is it real like i'm dating a boy mm-hmm. yeah. you're not really part of it you're just an ally i'm like mm, but also mm, presenting yeah, I... versus reality things exactly yeah <sighs> <sighs> stressful it is and i hate i hate it yeah i'm like why can't it just be like like in the other book black wings beating that we wrote that we read with from alex london where like it doesn't matter no one cares no one cares yeah it's creek style no one exactly no one gives a fuck that's what we want all right while we're still on the subject i had another question that i was thinking about during while reading the last hundred or so pages do you agree with patrick's assessment that we sometimes miss the pain of grieving and if yes why do you think that is I have been lucky enough that I have never had to experience too intense mm-hmm. of grief. Um, I was quite young when most... So I only know one person that died and I was 15 when she died. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I fully was aware of it. Like, I still love my nana and still remember her. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's there's not that intense grief of, like, oh, my God. But I do think I agree with it. I think that... Even just now, the fear of, like, if my Nana Margaret died, mm-hmm. the fear of forgetting her yeah. or not remembering that, I think I would rather grieve every day than risk forgetting yeah. my Nana at all. Um, so, yeah, as somebody with almost zero concept of grief, I can imagine in theory that would be right. <laughs> I mean, I agree with it completely um, when I was... I think like 12 or 13, one of my very good friends passed. Um, and like, it hurts, obviously. But like, what hit me the hardest was the following year when I just missed her death day. And the realization that like, I missed it, and I didn't think about her on it, that like, hurt me so much more. And yeah. I felt so guilty. And like, because of that, I tortured myself with like, the guilt of not grieving. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it's super powerful because it's almost like a layer upon the grief, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think you miss that pain because, yeah, you're just like, it's like any part of your life. You start carrying it and once it starts disappearing, you're like, wait, something's missing. It's like yeah. when you're tired so constantly, the more, maybe a more relatable thing when you're tired all the time and someone asks you how you are and you're just like, every day you're like, I'm tired. And one day you wake up and actually feel refreshed and you're like, someone responds and you're like, what? I'm not actually tired. <laughs> what the fuck? Something's <laughs> missing. That was my personality. <laughs> That's quite funny. That's a good um, a good comparison. Yeah. That might just have to do with my own mental health, but... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Wait, I'm not tired today? We're not depressed today. Wait a oh, second. Wait a minute. I need wait a, a moment to think about this and remember that <laughs> I'm not depressed today. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that was just a very apt and interesting and just like you don't think about it and then you're just like oh oh shit this is true yeah yeah oh it's just such a good bit it is just there's so much it talks about it's so good it managed to it manages to delve so deep while keeping the conversation light you know yeah it's not like that therapy session when you're like sobbing tears and you're just like how many i'm sorry you're almost out of tissues but like (laughs) it's that one where you're like this pain is manageable and that's nice. Yeah. All right, we have one more question. Much lighter. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one comes from Chris. Thank you, Chris. How do you feel about the resolution? Will that time split between each coast be enough for Patrick? 
No. I think he'll do the show, Mm -hmm. and then he'll probably end up moving home. I think so, too. So I think, I mean, he seems already financially stable enough off the reruns of his show. (laughs) But I think think he will eventually end up in Connecticut. But I don't know if he ends up dating Emery. Maybe they'll move to New York. That would be cute. That would be very cute. That's, like, my big thing. I'm like, wait, Emery is still a big part of it. Are they boyfriends now? Mm-hmm. We love to see it. We love to see it. Oh. I do, like, uh, Emery is such a mystery to me. I'm like, how did he just decided to go for it? He just shot, shoot, like, he just went and took a shot, like. And it worked. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I just need to go skinny dipping in strangers' pools. Exactly. I think that's the very, I think that's the lesson you need to take away from this book. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Authentic self? No. Uh, grieving? No. Um, <laughs> ac- accepting that children exist and you should raise them at some point? Ugh, no. no. Skinny dipping in strangers' pools? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Here this we is the only thing that I was just like, does everybody seemingly want children? Because I would have been perfectly happy if like Patrick didn't want to spend time with them all the time. I mean, I guess not. Yeah. I guess it's kind of how the book was, but it pushed a little bit wanting children too much for me. I think, I mean, I don't know. I didn't read it quite like that. I think Patrick enjoyed having the kids in his life, but I yeah. don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily get the vibe that he wanted his own children. Yeah, no, I that's think fair. it was the, it was the bigger aspect of the kids helped him reconnect with his family, with his yeah. brother, with his sister. With the outside world, really. Yeah, basically. And that's what, that's what I got as opposed to Patrick wants children right now. Emery, yeah. let's go to the adoption center. I love when Grant thought his name was Emily. I that was in was so stitches. Cute. I was like, oh, bless your little cotton socks. <laughs> Is that a Scottishism? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Scottish. It might be just a Britishism. <laughs> I never heard of that. That's precious. Oh, really? That and then um, Poor Wee Scone is a good one. Oh, yeah. You, you say that to me all the time. <laughs> That's because you're a Poor Wee Scone. <laughs> I love that one. It's so cute. Mm. All right. We do need to talk about one more thing, and I'm surprised no one asked a question about this. Mm. We need to talk about the throuple in the room. Oh, Jed. Oh, I love them. I wanted more. I wanted more of Jed. Like that, oh, no, convers- I mean, that conversation where he's talking to them. Or was it the J of Jed? He's talking... Was it James? It sounded like that, wasn't it? When he, okay, when he's talking to the J of Jed, and he just goes, Patrick, you think we're silly people. And I was just like, oh. Oh. Oh, they know. <laughs> They've clocked on. <laughs> and, like, that was a bit heartbreaking. And then I was just like, I'd be offended they became friends like this, and they didn't get invited to the party. Yeah. I wanted more of the resolution with Jed. I don't know. I really... I would read a whole spinoff about Jed. I love him. Yeah. Stephen Riley, if you're listening, that's the next project, my man. Get on that. We can just like Jeb Bush's campaign, just Jed exclamation point. That's the title. Perfect. Yep. I figured it out for you. Get to writing. <laughs> exactly. We've done the hardest part, which is to find the title. Exactly. Yeah. I don't care what the plot is. Just give me more of Jed. <laughs> They're fun. And if like, if Patrick could make like a little cameo in there, oh, that would be cute too. Yes. Yeah. Like, they adopt Rosa. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I loved Rosa. Rosa was so cute. When they were, like, trying to help her tidy up after the big party, and she was like, go, go. Yeah. No, my favorite with Rosa was when she was, like, making the dessert and Patrick tried to steal some. She's like, it's for the children. <laughs> or I loved when Patrick gave, 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 like, paid her and then was like, go home and spend Christmas with yeah. your with your children. <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't Christmas. My favourite bit was you text me saying it's just Chris- I'm uh, I'm still at Christmas, and I was like, it's not Christmas, it's June. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Christmas is next month. Oh God. <laughs> but man, yeah, no, I just all of the characters were just so perfect, but like so they perfectly were. imperfect too. Yeah, well written, mm-hmm. Stephen Rowley. It got just well done. Well like, they were all believable. Even Patrick's ridiculously witty speech. Like, I could believe somebody would talk like that. that's how we expect that. gay men to be. Robbie, get know, on I, it. I fall woefully subpar. <laughs> you just need a caftan. I just need a, a, a catchphrase. There we go. What was his again? Let me and that's check. how you do it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I just need something like that. Well, I guess I, I did not give a good delivery. And that's how you do it. I just that just makes me think of um Mamrie Hart, Hannah Hart and Grace Helbig did a fart challenge and one of the farts was called And That's the Truth and it's like a little and then Mamrie like pretended to fart and then she was like pretending to be a dad at the dining table and she goes, And that's the truth after she <laughs> farted and it was and so long story short, that's what you just reminded me of. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. And that's the truth. And that's the fact. And that's how Sue sees it. <laughs> oh, Glee. Oh, Glee, I think. Didn't really watch the show. Anyways. Get on it. Yeah, anyways, uh, Lisa, who's your favorite character? I think for the first time, I my favorite character is the main character, Patrick. Oh, yeah. Patrick. Yeah. Do you know what? I would agree with you, but he is shown up in every scene by Grant. <laughs> I knew Grant I was going to love... be your favorite. It's okay. I love him so much. He's so funny. And just like, oh, see when he hit his head during the, heart, uh, the earthquake. Oh, yeah, no. I, oh. I texted Robbie. I was like, he doesn't die, right? Lisa got so angry because I said, good night, no spoilers. <laughs> I was so mad at him. I like hate read the next three chapters. <laughs> I was trying to sleep and my phone just buzzed and she was like, you need to tell me he doesn't die. <laughs> and I was like, no. So mean to me. Well, yeah. That's what makes us work. That's true. We're just slightly hateful towards each other, and that's how you keep the friendship going. Exactly. It keeps it spicy. <laughs> I mean, I think very closely followed by Cassie. Yes, I did love Cassie. But she's also just the epitome of, like, girl boss energy, and I love hate that. She's <laughs> just like, oh, I need a Cassie. She's just so in charge, and I'm like, I need someone to tell me what to do with my life. Please boss me around. Like... Yeah, it would be ideal, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I need someone. I need someone to tell me what to do. I'm well, obviously not case, doing will, a good job. In that case, I will tell you what to do, Lisa. Give us your five-star rating for this book. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Thoroughly enjoyed I, it. I would do the same. So it's joining, what, three books from yeah. the Weird and Fine Book Club to receive... Or I think it's the third. Yeah. It's the third book to receive a combined ten out of ten, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, impressive. I think that's a pretty good ratio. Like, we don't, first, we don't choose bad books, but. No, no. Most of the time. We've had like one yeah. or two. I don't, we've, I don't think we've ever had a two, have we? I think we might, maybe last June. Mm, yes, this is <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Never mind. We picked a much better book this year. Yes. Next year, we can read The Hearts Invisible Furies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know it's your favorite, but also, I. I don't personally read to put myself through that. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Anyway, it is no longer Pride Month, so we have a brand new book 
club yes. choice for you guys. Lisa, would you like to announce it? I think you should. Excellent. So for July, we will be reading <laughs> The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Ooh. I'm very excited. Go. This is like a big thing in the UK. Like everyone's reading it. Like, it is the book that you will see people on the bus, in the cafes. They're reading that book. Really? And it's about octogenarians? Yeah. Wild. I know. (laughs) But yeah, people are loving it. So I'm I'm really excited to read it. Yeah. Here we go. All right, well, as usual, guys, uh, send us your book club suggestions. Or if you read along with us, send us any questions or thoughts you had Mm -hmm. to our email at wearedoingfine at gmail.com. Feel free to tweet us as you read. We're on Twitter at WDFCast or, you know, just slide into the DMs on Instagram at We Are Doing Fine. And we also have our Facebook group, which is We Are Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Same name as the podcast. Just jump in there and feel free to just post your thoughts about the book club on the Facebook page. Because yeah. it is, it, it's, it's unused at the moment. I sent one meme in it a couple of days ago. It was fine. Absolutely. Make it a forum. Exactly. And tell your friends about the podcast but also the book club and get more of your friends involved you can read together you can have an in-person book club and then listen to our episode exactly <gasps> that would be quite cool that would be yeah. awesome and like yeah we we're all going to the beach this summer we can we can go out probably depending on your area sit by a pool <laughs> yeah. read a book when it gets too hot scut in the pool and then cool off come back out read until you're dry and then get back in that's how i do it Okay, well, top top beach tips from Lisa then. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and once you've done all of that, jump onto Apple Podcasts and rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars and nice comments because why not? You know, yes. It's Pride Month. It would be homophobic if you didn't. Exactly. <laughs> but that is it for this episode of Book Club and until next month, keep, keep reading, reading fine. <laughs> And that's how you do it.